everybody. Welcome back to yet another edition. Hope you guys enjoyed this. If you've been on our Patreon feed, that you got some podcasts, you know, over the past week or so. Hope you guys enjoyed those. If um, you know, thank you so much for subscribing and all that stuff. But let's get right into it. We got a pack week. Now I want to gauge your opinion on something first. And that is how do you feel in 2023 about the whole two cards going on at the same time thing? I mean, it's just like something I've been conditioned to deal with as a boxing fan. I don't know like what it is about these certain dates that people love to like piggyback events on, but it is what it is. I'll tell you what it is exactly. My theory, at least. We're already going to start with this. It's very early. We're like one minute into the podcast. I like theories. A lot of these dates that <laughs> like, we get multiple cards on, they got to be like the crappiest dates of the year that nobody wants. Because we always hear the de- a lot. one portion of the delay with getting fights announced is venue availability. But if we got these dates, we're like all across the country, we got venues open, they must not be great dates. And boxing, obviously, getting the scraps here. But let me ask you this. Josh Taylor versus Teofimo Lopez this weekend. Has Teofimo said anything in interviews thus far that has given you some doubt as to whether or not he's in the right state of mind to fight a dude like Josh Taylor? I mean, Teofimo is definitely in a very fragile place mentally. But with that said, you know, the last time we saw Josh Taylor in a ring, he didn't look so hot. There's been discussions about him going to 147 for a while now. And so I'm not sure if, like, it's going to be one of those things that makes more sense in, like, retrospect. Um, Josh Taylor could go in the ring and be, like, chinny because of weight, his weight cut, or be rusty. And we know Teofimo's going to go in there and try to, like, bulldoze him because that's what he wants to do now. Um, and it's just going to end up Teofimo is, like, crazy like a cat or crazy like a maniac. And, again, it's going to be hindsight is 2020. For anyone that's been watching Teofimo's YouTube interviews, like the fight hypes and the uh, fight hubs or whatever, he is saying some, like, really just insane stuff about Tank. Well, about, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, 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 you have gotten yourself into the mental state where you could sit there and watch hours of Tiafimo interview footage. I only watched like twenty minutes at most. All right. Well, any crazy things that he said that you want to share with us? I mean, he's talking about how Tank has been like spoiled and he doesn't want to compete. He's talking about. Tim Bradley doesn't deserve to be a Hall of Fame because he hates on him. Him being <laughs> Teofimo. That is the funniest justification for Tim Bradley. I, and by the way, I, I I probably agree with the sentiment that maybe Tim Bradley ain't a Hall of Famer, but the the, the justification is not that he talks trash about Teofimo Lopez. I would like to say that for the record. He said that Tim Bradley hasn't beat anyone and he lost to Pacquiao, so he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. It's like, bro, like, what? Like, just stop. Like, I don't really like Tim Bradley, but like, he's accomplished. He is a Hall of Fame fighter. Like, let's just be honest about it. Um, you know, he's 
I watched his Josh Taylor sit down where they're talking trash to each other. And he's like quoting Kobe and trying to give off all these like euphemisms or whatever. And it's just like, dude, who do you think you are? Like, like be like water. Kobe Bryant said, like, you're an animal, but you're not this type of animal. And like on the, it's just like, dude, like, what are you talking about? He clearly watches too many of those like inspirational Instagram pages. And I, I just think if he doesn't win, if he, matter of fact, the only way that he can survive this mentally is a win or extremely close classic that he loses. If he loses clearly or gets stopped, he, I, I would hope that his team has like psychological specialists. What has given you any indication thus far that there's anybody with even a, 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 a an idea that mental health is important in his camp? I hope there is. I mean, they, I would say no. They they let this dude get recorded walking through that New York. It looked like a New York penthouse, which was really really nice. But this dude almost breaking up mentally, working through explaining why. He's got some like a stuffed animal on the bed, which was for his as not yet born child. And uh, he who he was also not in communication with the mother of that child. People forget this. This guy asked just a fight ago or a fight or two ago. Do I still have it at the end of the fight? I mean, like, he's uh, it's not- crazy how that's kind of just like falling out here. Yeah, but well, the thing is, Teofimo says insane shit so often that like you lose track of it all. I mean, now, just just a couple a week or two ago, he was saying like top rank wants all the black guys to win or something like that. It's just like you're like, what are you talking about? And then oh, and then after Teofimo Haney, he says, "There's the proof. I don't have to take back what I said." This guy's just completely lost it. Matter of fact, answer me this. In the last, say, like 15 or so years, have we seen a fighter who has come mentally unbound as much as T.O. has? That's, oh man, that's a question you got to ask me a couple hours for the podcast to, to really get my I, I mean, I, I, I just going thought on. about No one it. pops I mean, we're, out. We're, we're, we're talking about, like, he is one big loss away from being, like, Jermaine Taylor levels of just, like, gone. <laughs> or uh, what's, that's a good one. What's the Polish heavyweight? What's this guy's name? Not not the modern one, the older one. Andrew Galata. Yo, he he's like Galata level. This kid, this guy's lost it. Like I'm, I while I fear for him just because I don't want to see anyone go out like that. I'm prepared to watch the Teofimo thirty for thirty unfold in real time. Because a big loss this weekend. Uh, who knows? But like. I mean, he could get cut. He could, like, get all tatted up and try to move up to 40. I don't know. Like, anything that happens, this kid's just a mess. You know, you're definitely in a bad space mentally when you make John Morant look like the sane one. (laughs) He makes a lot of people look like the same sane one. So I I just want to go back to this because there's, like, a lot of things to touch on there. And, like, one thing specifically, in his last fight where he says, do I still got it? And like the video of him, you know, you can see him 
mentally trying to work and confront that question. And see, the difference with like Tiafimo and other guys who Adrian Broner comes to mind as somebody who's struggled with their mental health and all this stuff. But the one difference is that Adrian was already at the end of his career at that point. Now, you could say, well, he was also only like 31, 32. Like, is that really the end? And it's like, yeah. I mean, the lifestyle that AB led, that candle was burning on both ends. So that's that's the run he had. But for Tiafimo, we have a guy who we literally thought this might be the the we didn't see it coming but he would be like the gem of top rank we didn't see anybody else really hitting on a star level but tfimo seemed to check every box power speed offensively fun to watch he can talk you know he's he's not a bad interview and then somewhere along the way he seriously went off the rails. There was the motivational speaker gimmick that he was going into, and his performances started to slip. He had just shown, like, oh, wow, maybe he's chinny against Cambosos. And granted, Tiafimo has not looked like a horrible fighter at any stretch, and that's kind of like the, the shame of this is because this was a guy that looked like he was potentially an elite fighter. When he beat Lomachenko, he beat Lomachenko's, like, he beat him in the things that we really don't talk about. He beat him with ring generalship. He had Lomachenko scared, really, to let his hands go for six rounds of that fight. And then when he did, uh, what what he did when he did let his hands go, it looks like Tiafimo really took a bit out of Lomachenko for the future, as we just saw in the Haney fight that he he lost. But so. TFM was coming from a very high place, and this fall off has been super steep, and the and it's looked ugly. Uh, you know, he didn't look great against Kampa, and then in the Sandra Martin fight, arguably had knockdowns that should have been called against him. Arguably, should have lost that fight, and you know, we have to remember like the, it's funny to hear him say and ask the question of Do I still got it? but we cannot lose sight of the fact that he, why it was that he said that, which is that fight, there was something about the way he fought that fight and, and what he was attempting to do and failing that made him question himself. And I bring that up to say, whether Josh Taylor looked sketchy to you in the Catterall fight, and I think he did look sketchy, but not as sketchy as those scorecards. If both guys shows up the 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 as the guy we last saw them. I think this is going to be a very ugly night for for Tiafimo. Hmm. I mean, like if it's peak Josh Taylor and peak Tiafimo, Tio is going to get smoked. I feel like. Oh, so you think? See, that's an interesting statement you made. So what you're saying is that any inter- iteration of these two guys. Taylor wins. No, I said peak versus peak. Like if the best version of Josh Taylor shows up on Saturday mm-hmm. and the best version of Teofimo shows up on Saturday, Teo shouldn't win. Like, here, let's be real. Teo has not shown like concussive power at 140 that he had at 135. 
Fair. And he he stopped the kid that uh Brandon Lee fought. I forget <clears> his name. He didn't ever hurt Sandor Martin, right? Did he? I don't remember that. I don't recall him hurting Sandor Martin. Okay. And is that it at 140? Yeah, he's only had a few fights there. So like, oh, okay, two, three fights. Now the kid who fought Brandon Lee, sorry for getting his name. He he was he's very tough, very very tough kid. But to be fair, so is Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor did a whole fight with Regis. I don't remember him getting hurt. He fought through a pretty big uh, hematoma, right? Had the bruise mm-hmm. on his face, right? Um, he got knocked down in his most recent fight, but like. Whatever he fought through it. I, I mean, that could have been an off night. I mean, he he didn't get knocked down against Jose Ramirez or Tia or Regis. So it's like the be- the best version of Josh Taylor is a pretty good fighter, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I I I don't know what to expect here. Um, I I think so. There's a couple of things that also working against Tiafimo, which is that Taylor's a natural. A big natural 140-pound fighter. Tifimo's moderately sized for 140, if not on the smaller size side. I think mentally, Josh Taylor is probably the stronger of the two. He may be crazy, but it's a different type of crazy. And I think the mind games that could be at play here are certainly not going to favor Tiafimo. And so as I'm working through this, I really struggle to see a way that Tiafimo wins this fight. But here's the one thing that I'll throw out, you know, for my Tiafimo supporters, I'll throw you a bone here, which is that if you ask me which one of these guys might have that extra gear, that might have that level of athleticism that allows them to get to another level or maybe to pull something you know, pull something out of their ass. I think Tiafimo has that. And while the concussive power that we saw at 135 hasn't been there at 140, I would argue that the competition he's faced at 140 is better than the competition he faced at 135. Uh, Yeah, probably. Uh, I'd say less accomplished, but that's a fair statement, what you just said. I won't fight back on that one. So, you do you think... Taylor can stop him? Maybe a corner stoppage. I don't think he could stop him like... Bro, Tiafimo dad ain't stopping the fucking fight? Nah, I... He's definitely gonna let his son go out there and get killed. Josh Taylor is the type of guy, like against Ramirez, he he fights in a physical way Mm -hmm. that is as much mentally taxing as it is physically taxing. And I've never seen Tio get bullied. And some people react very poorly to being bullied. Mm-hmm. And if I can see Tio just like shutting down and like being disinterested, if, but I mean, this kid is really fragile right now. Like everything he said, he can't do one interview without saying something that it's just like, is he okay? <laughs> and so I, I, don't, I don't think Josh Taylor is the type to just like, like when's his last like true stoppage? Do you remember? I don't. I don't even remember. I, Taylor's I last stoppage? No, it no, was, Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor. It, yeah, it was in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. He stopped the um the tie guy. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot about that. It was a KO one. 
Okay, forget the before that. Let's see. I'm on the box rec now. If we so, yeah. say like uh Appenon Kong song KO one. What was his last stoppage that didn't look like the guy possibly threw the fight? So, Which I'm so, not saying he did. It just everyone was kind of suspect before about before that he stopped an undefeated Ryan Martin, twenty two and 0, uh twenty eighteen. Yeah. November third, I think. So like Ryan Martin, K two guy, never really showed that he was like able to perform at a above like D three level. Yeah, like Ryan Martin, he's like a cool little fighter, but he's not like elite. So like Ivan Baranchink, no stoppage. Regis, no stoppage. Ramirez, no stoppage. Jack Catterall, no stoppage. So I, I just, I don't think. But I want to, I want to throw out that, you know, he had Jose Ramirez on the floor. Had no, him he hurt. knocked him down a couple of times. He, yeah, he he put him into a position where he just like Ramirez kind of like wasn't. He he let off the gas so he didn't get stopped. So sometimes happens. Let, let, let me just say this. I think style wise, Tiafimo kind of resembles Regis Prograde in a way. I, I think they both have a kind of like a like a they both have um kind of a flashy offense. I think Tiafimo's a bit faster. I think he also is a little, a little more he's bouncier. And Taylor shut 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 that down pretty well. Now, granted, it was a very competitive fight. It's not like Taylor dominated him, but he did not look like he wasn't sure how to how to solve the program puzzle. No, it was a competitive fight. I mean, competitive, the good fight. I would say Regis is probably more. I would say more experienced than Tia at the weight. Um, All right, hold on. I, I want to talk about the undercard now. <laughs> okay, if, there, if there's anything else. No, let's do it. Okay, I just have one point. So, remember, I'm trying to think of other fighters who've been in this situation. <clears throat> I guess Ruben Villa might count. A guy who takes the moral victory in a close fight against somebody that they weren't supposed to and then proceeds to lose very shortly afterward. Okay. I like Jermaine Ortiz, but I have a feeling that we may, it's possible that he's going to fall into that trap of he got that moral victory over Lomachenko and then he slips, he slips up against a guy that he probably should beat, but winds up either being just a little too competitive that he gets jobbed on the cards or something like that. I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about Jermaine Ortiz's like next two to three fights. Nah, I mean, like, people love top, like, the go-to for top rank is, like, they're the best matchmakers in boxing or whatever, which I don't even totally agree with, but, like, they are pretty decent at getting a desired outcome, which I don't think is good matchmaking, but, um... I'm just want to say this dude that he's fighting can punch. Yeah, but my thing would be, like, if you're top rank, who do you want as like future option for your little 135 stable? This like anonymous, what is this guy? 14-3 Tijuana Mexican dude who could punch or or uh what's his name? Jermaine Ortiz. I feel like Jermaine Ortiz, he's a bit of a name. He's got some like Twitter buzz. Like, 
you throw them on TV and you'll you'll have like a cool little narrative. Yeah, these guys. Also, this guy's coming off a, a two fight loss streak. That's not. That's yes. not good. Y- yeah. And how about this? Even worse, he's he's lost three of his last four. He lost a split decision in a six round fight in Mexico, a first round knockout to some guy in where the hell is this Panama? I think he lost to some. I think is this the guy that uh, Frank Martin is fighting? Actually, he can punch though. I think it is the guy who's Frank Martin is fighting. Artem. Howard yeah, Tanya that is true. Yeah, that dude, he's fighting him. So lost to him, lost to Muratala, knocked out, and here he is. So I don't know. I think this is this is set up for Ortiz to win, I think. I think it's definitely set up. I just think sometimes... Uh, you don't get what you, you know, want in life? <laughs> I mean, the universe has other plans for you. But no, no I just think that, like, just... Looking at the history of things, and this this is something that is not exclusive to boxing. It it applies to other sports. Um, this is one of those things where like it happens. These these are what we call trap games. Uh, I've seen Wait, real this quick, dude fight. on the topic of top rank matchmaking. I love the conspiracy stuff, as you already know. Like, do you sense any top rank shenanigans in the main event, or is this is no. this fight? be made on the up and up well i this is a good question my thinking is if everything is to be believed top rank has decided that since this is tofimo's last fight which he claims it is you talk your shit okay then you better walk the walk because you're moving it to 140 you haven't looked great and we're gonna put you against you know, by metric, at least the number 140 pound fighter in the world. Good luck. You got less than two weeks to get your shit together. So they're just throwing him to the wolves. And if he swims, great. And if he drowns, see you later, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Classic sink or swim situation. Okay. And could, could um, be. I don't really have any like opinion on it. I, I just with top rank, I always wonder like, is this like, is this a cash out of Teofimo? Like we're sending him to hell or are we trying to like give him the push by beating Josh Taylor back at MSG and setting up our, like the future of our 140 stable? I, I think they expect to have Taylor for longer. And I think Taylor is an interesting guy to have if he stays at 140 because he's got titles. And, um, I don't think Taylor's a huge star in the UK. Actually, I know he's not, right? But if I think there's a version of the playbook to make to, you know, get guys over that involves having them beat British fighters. And if you're selling Devin Haney on the future, you know, Devin is a free agent now. I think selling him on Josh Taylor as that victory being the next step in him becoming a guy that can be a consistent pay-per-view seller, which, I mean, depending on how you feel, that Lomachenko fight didn't quite hit the mark, but if you say, well, it's a good start, I'd say, all right then. But I think that that is a enticing sales pitch. Uh, the TFEMO one obviously sells itself, but you're asking about you know, the reverse here. Right. You know me. I have to ask these questions. What is no, they're, they're worth asking because, you know, sometimes it's like um, 
this is like the stupidest example, but bear with me, people. On Sunday night, you know, you had the the Detroit, not the Detroit Tigers. You had the St. Louis Cardinals who had been playing relatively terrible. And you had the Texas Rangers who had been putting up football-level scores. And I don't mean soccer. These dudes were putting up like eight, nine runs for the past like seven games. And so you imagine that one of, one of if not the best team in baseball, who's been lighting everyone up, is playing against one of the teams that's just not been playing well at all. They're on a, on a, like a bad streak. When they played, the line should be pretty wide because you'd expect the Rangers to have smoked them but the line was 1.5. And on either side's previous games, nothing suggested that this was going to be a game within 1.5 runs. Sure enough, what do you think the final score was? A close-ass game. <laughs> yeah. On, on Rangers the, won 4-3. There you go. I was going to say 2-3, two, two, but... That line was crispy as hell. Crispier than Jalen Rose's line? Jalen Rose's line, as I have been led to believe, is not quite. I mean, it's crispy, you know, because you got the click, 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 click. <laughs> you know, that, that might not be an authentic line of hair there. Yeah, he probably is getting microfibers, but it's all good. Like, it ha- No, because, look, I, I like Jalen, you like Jalen. But Jalen's, like, his line is so dark, it looks like... Like the, like I don't know. It 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 just, it's too tight. It's too compact. It's too dark. It can't be real. This a, so those are microfibers. A lot of barbers use those now. Like I've I've gotten cuts where like the barber you would just it. do it without even asking. Like every shop it. is different. Some barbers will so just you, do it without asking. Some ask. Some charge extra for it. It's all it depends where you go. I'm gonna ask for it. I mean, you should. A lot of people get it. So it's, it's I look ridiculous. That, I mean, they got them in every color. I don't know what color your hair is, but yeah, he's blackish brown. Hey, you can go. You got you get them. But uh, I mean, it just look. <laughs> I'll report back. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's move on to um the the lesser of the two cards on Saturday night, and that is Jaime Munguia's return against Sergey Dravinchenko. Now, here's my question. Sergey has been, over the course of his career, solid, title contender worthy. All right? I don't think that's controversial to say. I think at just about every step of the way, this dude has been a very solid fighter at middleweight. Now, my question is, these two dudes are fighting at 168. If we look back at Sergey's career, he's 14 and 4, which, you know, four losses is a lot for a dude that we're saying is still solid. And, and also, I don't know if he's solid, but he did take three straight losses to Gennady Golovkin, Jamal Charlo, Carlos Adamas. And like the stretch of, I think I might have said this on a recent podcast, but Adamas, Charlo, Golovkin, Jack Colke, and Danny Jacobs, that is as impressive of a five fight run in just in terms of like you're fighting real dogs out here that's as impressive as it gets for anyone in boxing 
Hell of a run. Jacobs was still in his prime. Like every dude, Golovkin's the only one. Is like he caught the end of Golovkin's prime, and he arguably won all of these fights except for the Jamal fight, which he like he got the shit beat out of him against Jamal. But everyone else, I mean, the the, the Adamas fight was a majority decision, and I, I I don't remember if it was as close as that the scorecard portrayed it. But I do remember it being a, a really tough, gritty fight. And then the Colke fight, I remember, was actually a banger. Like, if you've never seen it, you should probably go look that one up. It's a very good fight. So my question to you is, at what point in Sergey's career did he go from being a guy that I think, yeah, we're confident is going to beat Munguia to, nah, I don't know anymore? Because it's got to be within the last two fights. Yeah, I just don't think you could take... The way he fights is not sustainable it's not a good long-term technique if you're going to just keep being like a face first fighter but also fighting like guys that could be physical with you i mean he he was cut up pretty good against triple g cut up pretty good against charlo if i remember correctly cut up pretty good against adam is i mean it's just it's a lot of punishment matter of fact there was another fight he had in between one of these that i'm forgetting um, but it's just been a lot of punishment over the last like six or seven fights. And at some point you have to just look at a guy and be like, it's a bit too much. It's a bit too much. I mean, the, the Joshua the- Conley fight, it, that was his most recent fight. It was on the, uh, Danny Garcia versus, Ber- uh, not Berlanga, um, Benavidez undercard. And the first four to five, like it was a 10 round fight. It took him a little bit to heat up. Once he heated up, he looked good. But prior to that, it was like, I think he might be washed. I think he I think he 100% is a level of washed. The question is, this is, and I don't think this is like unfair to say, but I think Derevianchenko, either you want to say it as like currently or at his peak, the best guy that Mungi has fought to date in his career. For sure. And, you know, we have a guy in Mungi, the, the sample that we have of what he's capable of doing in the ring has all been against guys who, Derevianchenko, he fights the same group. Like, that dude's 40 and 0. And the question is, like, yes, Derevianchenko's washed, but he's coming from a, a level higher than anything we've ever seen Mungi fight. So, is it possible that even the shot version of Drevinchenko is still skilled enough to give Mungia serious work? I don't think so because um, Mungia is another physical fighter. And it's just like all the physicality at some point has to wear down on you. And um, for that reason alone, I'm picking Mungia. I mean, he may have some like rough moments, but you know, you could to fight Derevinchenko, man. He is like, he's just one of those classic like gr- grind you out guys. Pause, and it's just like you, you grind and grind and grind, and eventually like that to your 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 favorite jar pun or whatever. Once the jar gets cracked, it's not so hard to un- crack it open again. Um, and I just think Derevinchenko, man, he's been through a lot, a lot of physical fights. This is going to be Mungia's first fight at super middleweight. Derevianchenko has also 
never really fought at 168. He's had a few fights that were above the 160 pound limit, but nothing crazy. And I'm curious if the weight doesn't matter here, if it helps one out more than the other. You'd think that it's the younger guy who's like killing himself to make weight, but at the same time, Munguia never looks like, I mean, he looks like Navarrete for, in, not quite like that, but he looks like a guy that's not really coming into the to the weigh-in at like 3% body fat. He's got a little doughy physique. And so does that start to, does that become a factor late in the fight? Nah, I think, like, he's a younger guy, man. I just think, like, one thing I'll give Golden Boy credit for is, like, how often does Golden Boy get these, like, type of matchups wrong? Uh, Well, they do get them wrong. And so no one's going to bat 100, right? Like, they have had some, like, blown shots. They did fire their matchmaker. Ooh, that's a good point. You know, which explains why the undercard is... The undercards have been and continue to be so awful on these Golden Boy cards. I'm trying to think, man. I think um, I just I think it'll be standard Devonchenko. Start off slow, pick up heat late, and trying to be physical with a guy that you can't be, you can't out physical. I think is how it plays out. Does 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 Monkey get the stoppage? That's that's I think the real question. Does he get the stoppage? If he doesn't get the stoppage, Derevyanchenko got to get a he got to get a plaque. <laughs> he got to get a plaque somewhere. Cuz this dude walked through Mungia, Adamas, Jamal, Golovkin, Danny Jacobs. Maul can punch. Golovkin built his reputation on being a dude that can punch. Danny Jacobs, when they fought, like, Danny was knocking people out. He had a high knockout percentage. I think he had shown some cracks that maybe it wasn't what it, you know, was cracked up to be. But, like, prior to, or after the Golovkin fight, you know, he had the couple of decisions before the Dragonchenko fight, but before that, like he had knocked out almost everybody he'd ever fought, including cancer. Including cancer. And Derevianchenko just walked right through him. No, he's tough. He, he's mega tough. I mean, he's tough to even step in the ring with uh, Mungia again. Because so, it's like. Here's how we know if Mungia drops Derevianchenko in the first round, we know Derevianchenko is going to fuck. Like not nah, he he's he's here to he's he means business because when he gets dropped in the first round that dude comes back strong. <laughs> he's locked in. Dude had Golovkin hurt to the body, and if it wasn't for the referee, if it wasn't for the referee stepping in right there, you know who knows how that fight plays out. I mean, a lot of people still thought Triple G lost, but for what it's eh, worth, here's here's my thing: don't get dropped. <laughs> Valid. You don't get dropped, then, you know, scorecards look differently. But he got dropped. So, it, I mean, realistically, if he doesn't get dropped in that fight, um, well, there's two things. One, I think he probably gets a draw. If everything goes exactly the way it had gone, I think he gets a draw. Or two, he doesn't get started until later and possibly loses 
very clearly because he wouldn't have gotten woken up to like the sixth round. So I have a question. Yeah. Say Mungia wins, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where does he go next? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. This is conspiracy theory time. I love it. We should have music that plays when, the, when <laughs> like, we go into conspiracy mode. Do you know who manages Sergey Drevinchenko? Keith Conley. Do you know who advises Sergey Drevinchenko? Al Heyman. Okay. Now, it is not like, is it's like there are guys that you could have Drevinchenko fight in the PBC universe that make a lot more sense than this fight. You just sent out Elijah Garcia in the toughest fight of his career, <laughs> and he passed the tests. It took him a while, but he passed the test. You got a Joey Spencer who just got bodied by uh, um, Jesus Ramos and is probably looking to make the move to 160 now. I mean, this don't look like a bad... That that wouldn't be bad for Joey to go in and with Drevinchenko and just see like, hey, bro, you don't have it for a young bull like Jesus Ramos, but... Well, about an old one. There, there are fights to make. And so, like, you probably only got a few fights left out of Drevinchenko. So you may want to selectively put put him, you know, where he's where it's gonna make a difference for like the next gen, so to speak. But they said no. Let's send him to fight Mungia. This is not a big payday. We know DeZone doesn't even have a deal with Golden Boy. They're out here doing month to month. They're they're running space on their airwaves. And so why is it that our boy Keith Connolly got this got Sergey this fight, which is also like a much tougher fight for Sergey than maybe taking a chance against a young rookie like Elijah Garcia. Why do this? Well, my theory is that, and this is a theory, none of this is true. I'm like probably wrong okay but uh, let me i'll just this for entertainment this is an entertainment podcast so it's just for entertainment's purposes what if al and keith Connolly got together and said we gave you know golden boy let us do the ryan fight like this one wasn't really involved and really they weren't because people ordered the pay-per-view and weren't able to get it for the ryan fight but whatever that's neither here nor there still haven't refunded anybody yeah (laughs) yeah if you got scammed by DAZN, nah, I feel bad for you. But, well, I mean, you got scammed all through the pandemic, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> RJ still trying. Well, to get there was no set. boxing on. At least we delivered podcasts. They delivered nothing. We were cooking. But um, what if there was a deal behind the scenes that said, like, look, we we want to make this Ryan fight happen. We want to do it now. We don't want to drag out the negotiations and totally s- screw anybody over. So, you know, we'll, we'll, you you want Mungia to to have an opponent, right? Well, we got we got something for you. What about what about Sergey? Keith Connolly makes it work, but behind the scenes, they they justified it because they knew they already got close once. And maybe they've been working behind the scenes to make it happen again. Jaime Mugia comes over later in the year to fight Jamal. I mean, that's fire. You could probably put it on pay-per-view, to be honest. Uh, depending on the month, 
I think it depends on the month, but probably probably not. I I don't, I don't know. That's that's one of those 50/50s where I can be talked into either stance. But I mean, it makes sense. Because why else would Sergey be over here fighting a dude like Mungia? I feel like there are other fights that you could have done for him that probably make more sense in terms of building your own business. And there are also fights that I think are much closer to winnable that are close to the Mungia level. Should Mungia versus J-Rock probably made more sense. I mean, that would have been a good fight. Shit, no, sorry, sorry, I I, I misspoke. I meant Derevianchenko versus J-Rock. Would be a good fight, yeah, that too. <laughs> or or maybe it's not Jamal. Maybe it's Mungia versus Andre. Maybe, bro, imagine if they let Mungia fight Morel. Like, Morel is so dangerous. It's, like, so crazy how, like, how boxing as a sport can, like, give certain guys credit and certain guys just get dismissed. I was thinking earlier, the less, the less, boxing gives more credit to guys who do less, I think is the way I want to put it. That's why this podcast, um, you know, is so coveted by people is because we do less. <laughs> it's like every week, not quite, but, you know, we, we, we do it when it counts. I'm just kidding. That's actually very poor of us, and I'm trying to improve on the regularity of the podcast releases. And I also have sponsors that want to sponsor the podcast, which I've discussed in, in the Patreon. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with that because there are certain things that we have to do in order to have sponsors. And I don't know if I want to um, like have like an official intro and stuff like that. All I know is it better not be snack. That shit ain't even spelled <laughs> it's not, right. It's not. One of them is called Athletic Greens. Oh, that's... It's a nutritional supplement. Look, or you guys just all sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> and then, I mean, it ain't even about the money. That's not even w- what it's for. It's, it's simply to have it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I, I need that token of appreciation, just putting it on paper, putting your name to it, saying like, look, I, I support. That's what we need. We, we crave that. Uh, also, if you haven't reviewed the podcast, our rating dipped. I'm guessing because people got mad about some of the comments we've made. Uh, but if you listen to the podcast, do us a favor. You don't have to leave a review. Just hit that five-star rating. Let's try to get our rating up, like climb a couple of stars. That will be much appreciated if you could do that. All right. Now, back to boxing. I want to, now that I've told everyone the thing, the good stuff to do, now I'm going to probably piss people off with something that, um, well, oh, shit. I forgot. Adrian Broner fights this week. He fights on Friday, I believe. Okay. Let me ask you this. Was that line from Broner about his opponent not hilarious when he said that I'm going to beat his ass and then I'm going to hire him because I need a lawyer and he's a lawyer? It was definitely hysterical. But at the same time, it's just like, all right, man. Like, No, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. On, man. I go, like, enough already. Like, what? Come on, AB. Come on. Come on, AB. No. The, pe- the people are tired. 
of the shtick. No. You're really going to go... You're really going to be that guy and say, A-B, you're not that guy no more. You can't... You know, you got to... Really? I mean, like, what? Like, what's really going on? He's fighting a lawyer. Like, does this kid even have a a box rec record? He does. What's his record? Let's check it out. What's his name again? Like, Hutchinson or something? Here's my... Here's what I want to know. Is Bill Hutchinson... Yo, this dude's got a name that sounds like he shot up the OK Corral. <laughs> Hutchison kid. <laughs> Curly Bill Hutchinson put a bullet in Doc Holliday's head. He's 22 and 4 with 9 knockouts. No, no, he's not 22 and 4. No, tw- he's 20 22 wins, and 4. Two losses and 4. 22 and 4. So he he look this dude is a lawyer, all right? Now, what I want to know, he's clocking in at 22 and 4. Is his legal record better than his boxing record? <laughs> I, I, I would hope so. Yo, he's from Pittsburgh, man. You know what we don't make anymore? Boxer from Pittsburgh. I can't name the last boxer from Pittsburgh. I can. Who? Paul Spatafora. Oh wow, good, good throwback for for the uninformed. Uh, Paul Spatafora was like forty nine and one for a long time. Actually, it felt like a long time. It wasn't. He's like forty something and oh, and everyone thought that Floyd was ducking him because they had a sparring session when Floyd was like eleven, and Paul beat his ass. <laughs> Floyd was 11. You know, like in the in the sparring tales, no one ever talks about the story that Floyd beat Eric Morales' ass in sparring. I don't remember which fight it was before, but Floyd got pulled in for, for some sparring and he put a beating on Eric Morales. But, you know, they ain't talking about that one. That's from... But anyway, Paul's a bad boy. He uh, wound up going to prison. I don't remember if he killed his pregnant girlfriend uh or he just beat her do you remember i do not remember remember i don't think that's his only like encounter with the law but that does that that was like the the big one there um but back to bill hutchinson they're fighting at the highlight casino in miami do you know what highlight is it's this sport with like I don't know how it's played really, but I know you play with like, it's like, imagine like a, uh, the end of like a lacrosse stick, like the net part, but it's like much bigger and you hold the net thing in your hand and you like, you like whip a ball against a wall. It's like, it's like wall ball with like the, the net hand thing. You you know, those things that you use to throw the, like, so you don't have to touch the ball. Well, when you're playing with your dog. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that, but made to sh- launch the ball at insane speeds. It's, it, I think at one time it was considered like the most dangerous sport in the world because like dudes were out here losing their lives because the ball is flying around on the walls at, at like 120 miles an hour. And dudes were taking balls off the dome and like, you know, <laughs> it was wraps. Balls off the dome, pause. <laughs> <laughs> But this is going to be a Don King Productions event. 
You got Ahmed Elbiali and Guillermo Rigondeau on the card with Adrian Broner headlining. You think this was a PBC card from 2015? I was literally just nah. about to say, if this was a PBC <laughs> card like six years ago, this would be a, a, a nice little banger of a card. Assuming that you had like slightly better opponents, like okay, 2015, this is headlining ESPN. Absolutely. Or not headlining ESPN, but this would this would be this would have been on ESPN. But now. Nah, and not only is it um, not on ESPN, it's also, what, six, seven years later? Albiali somehow has only lost one time. Granted, he's had some stretches of inactivity, but Albiali, after losing to John Pascal, now returns, and he'll be fighting Rodolfo Gomez, Guillermo Rigondeau, I don't remember, do you remember, he, he had a new opponent, but people were talking like that they had dusted this dude off that he was fighting, who was like a novice, basically. I don't knew, I don't know anything about who he was fighting or who he's fighting now. I mean, I'm happy to see him back. Uh, you don't want to see anyone lose their eyesight to like, I forget. What, a pressure cooker? Yeah, pressure cooker. It sounds like a horrible situation so good to see him back so okay so Guillermo Rigondeau gets to knock out a dude who's like never fought anybody with any real boxing experience because his instant pop blew up in his face got it I I mean it's Don King like what do you <laughs> like who is he gonna get to fight I, like I'll, I can't wait to see where first of all what is this fight being shown on like fight tv or something uh donkingproductions.com Wow, I mean, I can't wait to see. Like, no, I I literally do not know. Let me look it up. Do you, do you think there will be more than a thousand people at this fight? At the fight in attendance. I'm sorry, AB, but I don't think so. Yes, yeah, so I can't wait to see a, a crowd of less than a thousand people watching an Adrian Broner card. So this is a pay per view that will be. Shown on donking.com. Golly. Well, a thousand people will be watching it, period. Like a pay per view from donking.com. It sounds like it'll just like the stream will crash like <laughs> the second. Oh my God. From the looks of it, I think they're embedding a YouTube. No, no, that's that's not the pay per view. In player. What is in player? So they're using some like website that's kind of like B what BLK Prime probably was supposed to be. It sounds like a mess. That era where BLK Prime was a thing was was really something. But also the era when we just called it Black Prime. <laughs> how about the era where people said, how can you not support BLK Prime? Because you should be supporting black business. How is it that <laughs> Between Terrence Crawford and Adrian Broner, both guys who signed deals with BLK Prime, Terrence Crawford was the one that actually fought on the platform. Like, I feel like it should have been Adrian who was the, was the one that, like, yeah, he actually did the fight on BLK Prime, and Terrence Crawford was like, nah, I'm not allowing myself to be associated with this. I mean, <laughs> I didn't think BLK had more than one fight in him, so I'm not surprised. Did, did we ever do a like a, a a poll on the podcast where we asked for a prediction on whether or not BLK would ever do another event? 
I feel like we did. I don't remember, but I was always at one. I guess they did more, but like nah, those don't count. That, the, these yeah, those, those don't count. Part. Like they just did an event this past Tuesday, and Dino said that the stream like just died within two <laughs> minutes. <laughs> the stream died. They so they back, could say that they did the language. event, but they really didn't do the event. They just set up the uh, ring and they killed the stream, and then it just sent everyone <laughs> home. The, the the thing about that is just like, what is the actual addressable audience for? Tuesday night fights between guys, not even that no one's ever heard of, but like that you've never heard of as the like the the solicitors of this content. I mean, again, boxing is a very welcoming sport. Most sports, especially in America, are very very exclusive. Boxing is unless unless you just pay a lot of money, and then you have people you know, in very precarious situations where they're denouncing what they had previously criticized uh, a certain country for what they were involved with in a mass casualty terrorist event <laughs> like the PGA Tour. I was about to say, I feel like you're talking about something specific, but you were. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, do you want to give a quick take on that? I mean, I, I've been very unclear on the whole live golf thing um will it affect boxing in any way or is it just completely unrelated well it's already affected boxing that's the thing you know this is the you know the the public interest fund or whatever you know the sovereign wealth fund that exists within saudi arabia as their way of sports washing their country by bringing events essentially they have a lot of money and one use of that money is to bring these sporting events to their country so that they can say, hey, ain't no one got cut up into pieces at this event, did they? We are good. Now, whether or not that that is effective, that's, uh, well, obviously not true, but also like a moot point here. I think largely that's already been like we've already seen that have an effect in boxing. And uh, the question is, could, you know, what they did with the PGA and Liv has been on, like that is such a massive scale. It essentially has now monopolized the sport of, of golf. Not really because of the golf structure, but I'm not going to get into that. But largely every major golfer is connected to now this one Saudi-owned PGA slash live combo. The, the the thing about golf, just really quickly, that is different because it's not what you quite think, is that the major tournaments are not connected to the PGA. They are their own thing. And so it would be the equivalent of like, I don't know if there's really an equivalent for boxing, but like for wrestling, or it would be like if the NBA, like they bought the NBA, but the NBA finals wasn't part of the NBA. Like the playoffs was something completely different. And so, but in golf, largely you can create that sort of monopoly where you control everybody. In boxing, you can't. It's been tried numerous times and you just can't do it. Having the money is not enough to just buy up everybody. Boxing is way too fragmented for that to ever really take place. So like 
on an individual fight by fight basis, there are going to be instances, and it's we've already had it where Saudi has been able to exert whatever influence that they can. And right now we're seeing with the Fury and the Usyk stuff that that's not always a good thing. And in fact, there's there's been numerous hindrances to fights because Saudi was involved, because what they're willing to pay doesn't like it only lines up to their reality, not necessarily the one that exists in everywhere else in the world. So there will be some impact as we've already seen it. Fights will continue to land over there. But whether that's like clearly what we have working in America works, you know, Spence Crawford is happening. Uh, Tank and Ryan fought. You had Plant Benavides. Canelo can fight whoever he wants. We'll get to that in a second, though. So, yeah, I don't really see anything really massively changing for the structure of boxing. So now do you want to talk about Canelo? <laughs> I'm always down to talk a little Canelo. You remember, like, from maybe 2017 to 2020, maybe 21, but but certainly in those times, there it felt like every other day we had a Canelo story to discuss. Something we needed to talk about with our boy Canelo, right? And since then, Canelo has continually found a way to just kind of diminish himself in the public eye. Now, here is my question to you. Who do you want to see Canelo fight next? There should only be one answer to this question, and his name is David Benavides. Now, do you have like a number two? Like, okay, that can't happen. What is the consolation? I mean, I guess it would be Bivol. Right. You know, you obviously want to see him get that win back, whatever. But I'm here to tell you guys right now that I don't think either of those fights are going to happen. I was super confident that the Benavides fight was going to happen, and I really hope it is because that's the fight that most people seem to want. It's the one that makes sense. But I think that as I see more things, I'm starting to lose faith in that fight, and I think that the fight we're going to get is Berlanga. That would be very, very embarrassing for Canelo's brand, I think, but it would be very much on brand with what I was saying about Canelo, which is he doesn't, he's no longer like, he's a loser. He's a competitor. Or he's no longer a competitor. He is a loser. He doesn't have that fighter's edge where he wants to prove he's the greatest and make history. He just wants to like do the dog and pony show with Eddie, hide his belt and claim he's like something special that we haven't seen before, which is disappointing. I mean, I was a big Canelo supporter for a while, and now I'm like, I've flipped. I'm not a Canelo supporter anymore. I want him to fight David Benavidez. If he wins, that would be awesome. Prove your greatness. Stop, uh, stop running from the work, man. People want to see, people want to see a great Mexican, uh, you know, another chapter in the book of Mexican rivalries. I think that. Too many people that are in the know have started to justify through their platforms why the Berlanga fight makes sense for Canelo. And we know that 
Bivol's financial demands are not con they're they're not compatible with what DeZone wants to values him at. And so just looking at all of this, like it, it it's seriously going to be to to this point in my Canelo fandom. And like I, I'm not above making fun of Canelo and I'm not above like, you know, criticizing, but this is vastly different to me in terms of his decision making because it would seem at this point that there is no justification for it. The Bibble fight, which I don't want to see, and I don't think he beats Bibble a second time, but the justification there is admirable, which is like he wants to get that win back. He, he's out here trying to test himself. The Benavides fight is just, well, I'll not fight Bibble, given it's at 175. I'll, I'll stay at 168. And I'll beat the guy that everyone thinks can give me a challenge. Belonga is a guy that Jaime Munguia would beat. I don't think Berlanga is a top 10 super middleweight. So, like... He, the only way he's top 10 is if we run out at 9. You no, know, I, I don't think he's top 10. I think... Like, like you name 9, you're like, uh, I don't have no, no, anybody no. else, so I guess Berlanga. I can name 10 that aren't Berlanga. Uh, one sixty, it might be easy to do that, but I mean, easy, hard, whatever. Like he's not a top ten middle, super middleweight. For anyone listening, let's let's just do it, okay? So obviously David Benavidez, obviously Canelo, obviously Caleb Plant, obviously David Morrell. I would take Anthony Durrell over Berlanga. I'm definitely taking and Billy to knock him out so badly. I'm taking uh, <laughs> Gungora is his name, I think, that Umbilly just fought. Yeah. Um. Now, who else can I throw in the loop? I would take... Um, Did you say Andre? Andre, for sure. Throw him in there. Um, the... Who the hell did I just want to say? Beck the Bully? Beck the Bully. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That would be such a clown fight. Like, book that in, like, the... The, the to be made clown fight of the year candidate. Um, I'm trying to think. I like that fight. I think that's a cool fight. I gotta like bust out boxer for the last like two or three, but whatever. Like ultimately, he's for sure not top ten. Is Berlanga beating? And I mean this seriously. Is Berlanga? Is Berlanga beating Jose Uzcategui? No. Hell no. Like to. to that's another guy that you could put over Berlanga. The guy that just beat Jose Uzcategui or whatever. He's a good fighter. I forget his name, though. Shishkin, he's, like, he's, yeah. like, he's Russian or something? Shishkin. Yeah, he's Shishkin from Russia. Fight. Russia. He's a nice little fighter. He's all right. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying he's like fucking disgusting he's or He's good enough to but, beat Berlanga, but yeah. Uh, like Berlanga needs to be fighting like Shane Mosley Jr. That's like a good little step up for the boy bro shane is not good yeah i know it's his point he gonna be fighting this weekend but my i i think i've told the story john, john ryder for those of you longer that's a good fight i like to see it, it would be a good fight i would pick john ryder look belonga has a lot of good like this is the thing that's so disappointing is like he's got a lot of good fights the only thing is they're all good fights with guys that we we already know their level. Like they're not elite fighters. They're not even like 
They're like title, like they're they're like gatekeeper levels of the division. And that's fine for where Borlonga is at. He's not a title contender. Nothing has suggested that this guy should be fighting for a title at this point in his career. He's still at a prospect level. And like to me, I don't even think that's a bad thing. The problem is he's been pushed so hard and so fast. So, you know, I, I Belonga versus Ryder makes a lot of sense. I'd like to see that fight. But anyway, let me tell this story. Because uh, I think some of you may not have heard it. So I used to work with a dude who was like, he was an amateur. But he had like stopped really training. So he got a little, he wasn't heavy. But like, you know, he, he wasn't like tip top shape when we worked together. So I didn't realize this until much later in working with him. But he's like, no, nah, I used to fight. And I still do occasionally. I was like, oh, yeah. And so I asked him one day, have you sparred with anybody like that I would know? He's like, yeah. He's like, Shane Mosley. Am I really? Shane Mosley? He's like, yeah, I sparred with him to prepare for Margarito, actually. And I was like, how did that happen? You're just an amateur. He said, well, I sparred his son. And... I kind of pieced up his son in sparring. So then he wanted to spar with me. I said, how'd that go? He said, not good. I never, he said, I wasn't shocked by his speed or his power. It was, he was strong. He was moving me around the ring where he wanted me. And uh, I don't remember if he dropped him. He might've dropped him, but don't spar anybody who daddy's a pro fighter. That's that's the moral of that story. Because you can get your ass beat. Peace up the son, get pieced up by the dad. But but you think about it? We don't know. It's just allegedly. Shane beat the dog shit out of Antonio Margarito. As the underdog. As the underdog. And it's a great fight to watch if you your particular flavor is watching margarito get the shit beat out of him also i grew up a mosley fan given you know local to the area but i can be objective and i look at that performance and i think there's no way that shane was clean in that fight <laughs> that's hilarious so my my co-worker who was probably close to 18 at the time <laughs> was getting the shit beat out of him in sparring by roided up Shane Mosley. That's a bad look. Hey, I'm sure. I'm sure that guy loves to telling him, stories about like him sparring Shane Mosley. I mean, he got bodied though. I mean, there's no shame in a body by Eight. Shane Mosley if you're just like an average Joe. It's like pros versus Joe, except like real life. Didn't Shane do a pros versus shows, or was that name one boxer you think you can do better? than something at them like boxing well here's my question because i because i figured you would have had this off deck or off top would you agree to play anthony joshua one-on-one in basketball if you <laughs> also could spar him no I, I should have said this in reverse but would you spar anthony joshua for one I, round if that meant you can play a game of like 21 i will do you one better i will yeah. bust his ass in soccer you were not busting Anthony Joshua's ass. You were busting nobody's ass in soccer. I'll, just so you know, I have won an MVP at a soccer camp before. 
for eight year olds probably it, it was probably like closer to like 10 or 11 but still there's no way that 10 year old you probably before you had a growth spurt your goofy ass is Dude, now I led the camp dribbling the, 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 the fucking the gold machine <laughs> joshua can't even shoot a layup and he probably can't kick a soccer ball so I, you had a huge growth spurt you gonna look like a deer out there with the ball in front I'm of you. I'm a good athlete. I'm one of those. Like I, I, I played almost every sport. Joshua barely can play any sports except for boxing. <laughs> and and that that that's been called like, in question I know lately. Who Anthony Joshua is in America. See, like people got it twisted because he's like this like f- fake drug dealing like UK boxer guy. In America, he's a guy that goes to the gym, is super brolic. And then once he finish finishes lifting weights, he tries to play basketball with like the basketball guys, and he's horrendous. And then like if you try to like bring him to like some other sport, football, baseball, dodgeball, kickball, he sucks in every single sport. But he's just mad strong. I've seen lots so, of people like this. He's not a good athlete. If we took gyms and created five on five teams. Derek James' team got Anthony Joshua at center, Jermel Charlo and Errol Spence at the forward. This would be like actually Ryan be, Garcia. I'd, I'd watch this and Frank Martin as guards. Does any gym have anything that could stand up to the, to these five? I honestly think I would take Kevin Cunningham's gym. All right, who's his five? So hey, Broner running the point guard. <laughs> okay. Now, I AB at the good, one. But I've seen clips of him and he's not bad, which is like, I could work well, with Well, Jermel sucks at basketball. I've seen- but you know, Jermel is like the type that's like, he may suck, but he his willpower is so crazy that he's going to play like, you know, that like old man, like, bro, you're fouling me every time type of defense. And he's, he's going to try super hard. Like, he's going to hustle the whole game. So he's going to be a problem. All right. So you got AB at the one. Lubin. Yeah, two or nice. three. Lubin might be the best basketball player. Keep that ball away from his chin. Boxer. Keep the ball away he from his chin. As long as you don't catch a rebound and like elbow him in the chin by accident. <laughs> it's game over right there. No, Lubin is legit. Then like I can we can we count Anthony Durrell? Doesn't he train with the Cunningham? Like sometimes? I don't even know. We can count Durrell. Cause I he owns a basketball court in his crib. So he must be decent, but then we we need like two more guys. But I'm taking I'm taking Cunningham's gym just off the Lubin factor. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about Derek's gym, he has five dudes that like I feel like probably aren't good at basketball. I've seen Errol play. Errol and Broner are about like is the he? Same. Errol seems like he's probably average. AJ got two left feet. AJ's horrible. Jamel. Jamel too angry for basketball. That's like the like basketball's a sport where like you just generally know you you do not throw punches. Like you don't want to endanger your hands. Jamel's a type that like that is he got put in boxing for a reason. Ryan looks like he might have two left feet too. No, I've seen Ryan play. He's okay too. Frank Martin looks like he can play. Frank Martin doesn't he have a cousin in the NFL? He might. He's he's probably one of those guys that could like play a little bit of everything. Frank Martin looks like 
like a very smooth, natural type of athlete that he can just like see something once and pick it up pretty easily. I'm trying to think like who else is good at like other sports? Like Wilder's pretty decent all around. He ain't a good singer. Yeah, his music his music is cool for like someone who like doesn't make music. Um, I don't Crawford know about is, that. Is like another all around guy. I've seen him play. He's all right. Jamal's nice. Boots can play a little bit of basketball. Jamal can play. He can legitimately play. If, okay, let me Jamal, ask you a question. Not so right? much. If if they did a celebrity boxing basketball game with like evenly matched teams, how many people do you think watch this on YouTube? <laughs> maybe 10,000 it's not bad I'd watch maybe 10,000 I, I would watch it too imagine uh, so like you don't know who's playing and no 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 you got the captains okay and let's just say that like Lubin and Jamal are the captains and they're picking their teams and then the final pick the lights go down spotlight on the on the tunnel and the final pick in comes Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. <laughs> with that broken ass jumper. Oh, that'd be hysterical. Imagine like Deontay Hart fouls you. Like, what do you do? Just sit there and don't say shit. You're five six. Like, you don't get up and try, like try to like do anything to Deontay. I, I need to make this su- suggestion to some PBC folks because this I'm trying to see this. <laughs> the the what would you call it? The 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 PBC annual. They they should definitely do the PBC annual invitational or whatever. I'm shocked that like people like not everyone could do this right because they don't have a, a big enough roster. I mean, I guess you could like incorporate older retired fighters, but PBC could easily do like a, a fan weekend. Like they have the boxing fan expo, which like I've seen footage of on YouTube. It looks cool. PBC could do their own and like center it around like a big fight and like there's like fan interactive stuff. There's like a celebrity game. Maybe I'll have to, you know, put some put something together. I, I do it, man. I would I would definitely be the 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 it would be bootleg, but you get sponsors and we just do the boxer invitational uh what do you call it? The the the, the boxer invitational NIL classic. Dude, it's it's I think it's it's a great idea. And Ooh, especially if we'll they have... listen, if you want to make it real crazy, you go shock jock, shock and jock rules and have like a, a 20 point shot and all types of like random shit like they used to have. It was a shock and jock or rock and jock. Do you remember on MTV? Yeah. What if what if if you punch the ball into the hoop, you get 10 points? No, just listen to what you need to do. If instead of jump balls, you just do pause, jump balls. It, you, you do one minute of, like, sparring. and But it's just no weight class. It just could be, like, Wilder versus, like... Okay, and when Frank Martin knocks out Lubin, like, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? We, we're down a player. <laughs> Imagine Sebastian Fundora, like, gets drafted in the second round because that dude is, like, the second tallest guy there. Fundora can't hoop. There's no way. Fundora probably can't hoop, but, like... You know, you just tell them, like, hey, man, keep your hands up. Remember, have you ever seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh, with Jack, uh, with Jack Nicholson yeah. or whatever, Nicholas. What, during the basketball scene, when he gets the chief, who's, like, apparently, like, thinks, uh, well, 
he, he gets the the chief who's like the super the tallest guy like he's super tall and he just tells him put your hands up and just makes him stand in front of the, in front of the hoop you just do that with Fundora. Just just stand right at the restricted area. Keep your hands probably up. Probably like the tallest guy out there, unless you got, unless you got Fury. But I don't think Fury can hoop. I don't think Fury can play basketball. No. Fury's a chump. Hey man, what if we come out and Lomachenko? We find out was the best player on the court. <laughs> Lomachenko out there like Pistol Pete Maravich. Ain't nothing this this guy can't do except win close fights. Starts juggling basketballs. <laughs> Like he's got a crazy handle. Um, makes Lube, you know, breaks Lubin's ankles. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm gonna DM Lubin to tell him up some from basketball footage so everyone knows how how much this guy, uh, this guy's a good player, man. So wait, so real uh, quick, let's review the fights this weekend. I feel like we mm-hmm. missed something, but I might be tripping. We what talked we about To's crazy ass. We talked about Broner's crazy ass. We talked about Munguia's crazy ass. Is there a fourth? I guess there's a Sonny Edwards fight. Are we not talking about that? Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's like dying to hear our take on that one. Bethy over. So what, what uh, else I think is there? That, that might be it. Four. Wait, wait, how the fuck you asked me this question? Like I like like a loaded question when you didn't even know. No, I just I I, I felt that there was another. Showbox, maybe? I thought that there was a fourth, like, good one. There's a Showbox card. Yeah, but Showbox. It's not Showbox. I mean, shout to yeah, Showbox. I, mean, we don't I like Showbox. We talk about Showbox That's here. not what I was thinking of. Mm. Although the, the Showbox main event looks pretty good. Ali Ismailov, 10-0, 7 KOs out of Russia. Also 30 years old, only 10 fights. Hmm, wonder what's going on there. Versus Charles Foster, 22-0, 12 KOs, 33 years old. Um, this is probably the oldest combined age of two fighters headlining a Showbox card in Showbox history. Yeah, so. All right, well, we could wrap it up right here. Hope you guys pre- uh, enjoyed this one. That's it for us. Um, please be sure to go drop that five-star rating. It would really help us out. It would make, it would make my, my heart feel good. So, till next time, thank you for listening.